You're listening to Art Root Radio, and I'm your host, Michelle Lockery. Today, we're really excited to have in our little listening room the very fabulous artist, Carrie Parnell. This artist has incredible work. She is just doing brilliant um, exposed layers of a Canadian social justice story that's very, very close to my heart. Um, the work that she's doing is called Pause and Plight, and um, it is supporting the the telling of the story of what happened in um, the internment of Canadians during the World First World War. Her work is just um, a brilliance of layers that suck you into the story in such a way that you actually believe you're there. And, and actually, for me, being my family, was so highly affected by the Ukrainian internment in Canada, this very little known story. Her work just takes me to a place of um, emotional wonder. I can't wait for my mom to see them. And I think this work is of extreme global importance. Carrie is a, a wonderful speaker. I really enjoyed my time with her. Her stories, I could have listened to her for a very long time. And um, take a listen as Carrie um, shares her story of her passion of being an artist and how important artwork is in our social fabric and how we really all are wayfinders. Um, and in that means is that we find our way through ancient wisdoms and skills and our artists today are still those wayfinders. So we will give all of her where you can find, you know, her work. And you can go on a scavenger hunt on our website of where to see her amazing work. But please take a listen and let the sunflowers take you to Talking with Sunflowers with Carrie Parnell. Well, good morning, Carrie. Welcome to Take It to the Wall on Art Route Radio. Good morning, Michelle. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to actually have a, a coffee. Do you have a coffee right now or a tea? You know what? I was thinking about getting the tea. Maybe I'll put some water on. <laughs> put some water on because I have a coffee. And uh, that's what, what we're excited about on our conversations are, is that everybody travels and wants to see mm -hmm. art, but um, they don't always hear art. And I think visual arts should be heard. So I think it's about kind of like a teacup and a table and a conversation somewhat like my Baba would have when she was teaching me to be creative. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So, so Carrie, tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, well, I am an artist from Winnipeg, Manitoba. I went to university at uh, University of Manitoba for fine arts, and then I transferred to NASCAD University and studied there for a couple years, um, mainly as a film assistant. I was uh, kind of close to my film teacher at the time. He uh, liked my work. And then I moved to a rural place in Cherryville, BC and had two children and kind of paused on my art and uh, raised the kids and focused on that. Started a jewelry business with antlers because that's what was around. And then there was, uh, I was approached by the community to do some highway signs, hand-painted highway signs to acknowledge the forest, the community forest there. And I ran after-school art programs that I started there. 
And then the Cherryville Historical Society hired me to paint a hand-painted commemoration painting for one of the internment camps that I wasn't aware was in Cherryville. And uh, then this exhibition kind of snowballed from there, and it's been it's been great. It's, it's awesome. So in my work, we're called Wayfinders. My program of teaching kids and communities was called the Wayfinder Project. So I always okay. say that artists are truly wayfinders. That we find. What do you mean by wayfinders? Well, wayfinders is an old term of finding your way through geographical areas and through skills okay. and handland, basically how our ancestors lived. You know, if you could make something and you could make something and you found your way around the world as a wayfinder. Right. That makes sense. Doesn't that make sense? You know what's, yeah. You know what's funny, Michelle, is that uh, you're talking about these sunflowers and. Uh, I always, because I, I moved around, I moved around to Halifax, to PC, to Charleville, and one of the three things that I looked for, which was funny, was a, a cute um, cafe, um, a cool little art book, and then sunflowers. <laughs> no way. Sunflowers were like, yeah, sunflowers were kind of my my uh spiritual signpost that yep yeah, this spot's good that, yeah is that funny <laughs> that's really interesting because i mean being i'm you know my grandmother and grandfather were ukrainian and that's i mean i didn't know about the internment and found it through painting murals but that was my same thing too whenever i traveled is i would find a really good coffee shop something really? yeah something that had something to do with a sunflower whether it was wholesome cooking or wholesome like, you know, the muffin that, oh, I can eat that muffin because it's got, and the same thing. And where, where did the artists live? Isn't that funny? Well, it is. Uh, well, it's funny. And that's why I'm, I'm trying to raise money to do a documentary about it, because I truly believe that women, that we travel the world for a reason. And it, I mean, I think the sunflower represents, you know, it's golden ratio. It's, they say it's the eyes of the universe. But if you think about it, it creates a flower that creates food. Hmm. That, yeah, it's profound, right? Profound, for, right? Yeah, and there's a great story about Peter the Great that supposedly he took the sunflower from North America to replace when the grape the rape seeds failed in Russia mm -hmm. and Ukraine. Yeah, but the really reason for me was the sunflower was the story of in one of the books about internment when it was told that a woman sewed sunflower seeds in her skirt so that when she brought her family over here to Canada that she could feed her family. Oh, I know. Right. I know and that. it, That's beautiful. Yeah. And then it just blossomed. And then I was so excited because your show was coming to Vernon. We're painting a sunflower around the same time in honor of a council member who passed, who was just huh. a strong woman about inclusion. And so, yeah, so that's kind of how it worked out to be. You know, that's a pretty exciting. I love that because truly we connect through art. I know. And, uh, and it's funny how artists, like when I'm starting this um, artist in school residency, it's called in, in Winnipeg, Manitoba, where artists go into uh, high schools or junior highs. And I'm starting one tomorrow, actually, with Vincent Massey High School. And we're doing murals with the students. And my main teaching to them is that you know, it's funny because everybody thinks everyone wants to be an artist. And I remember talking to my friend who she had this passion in her eyes and she goes, you know what I want to do? And I said, what? She goes, I just want to 
massage old people's feet and like make them feel good. And I looked at her and I said, I do not. <laughs> yeah, that'd be me too. <laughs> like, yeah. That'd be me. And nope. then I realized I want to paint and make art and this other woman doesn't. And then I realized that not everyone who, who not everyone wants to be an artist, but those that do, those that do want to be an artist are called to be one and their impact in the world is far more than, you know, painting a beautiful flower for like home decor. Exactly. To be an artist is a radical pivot in society that speaks so large and says so much and is so necessary. And so when I work with these youth, I want to, you know, say to them that if you're drawn to art, then you're being called to be an artist. And then what does it mean to be an artist? You know, what's your role in society? Because we all have a role. We all play a role. And uh, if uh, you're called to art, then you're, you're, you've, got a, you've got an important role. And then furthermore, you know, I was talking to somebody who is closely affiliated with, with war and combat. And they said that the first three demographics and groups that they dismantled to take over is the politicians because they create the order the uh inventors and scientists because they they create you know industry and and uh building of society and then the artists and musicians because they create the hope and the the um the positive morality of a society so you know, to be one of the three major groups to be taken down in war to dismantle a thing. It's pretty important. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. And that's that's been part of my work, too, with all of the mural work I did. People were like, are you painting murals in town of country stars? No. The disruption that happened between pushing the government and trying to push the systems to get the services to the people that need it. I always, my mom yeah. would always say, you're Robin Hood. And the works the work's been exhaustive because it it comes with a lot of pushback from the government learning an awful lot about corruption and yeah you're painting and you're creating but these paintings have an inner wall which is how this podcast actually started was is that i want to expose those walls and tell the truth about being a disruptive artist you know mm-hmm. you know i I could tell you stories of the women that had come to the wall looking for help that were on the streets and the, the stories in those layers. That's what I'm so excited about. And when I saw your work, you are exposing those layers in your work. And that's just so important. It's so important. And I think that, I think that in order to say a message, you know, the, the written word is so powerful. Um, you know, film is so powerful and, you know, a visual, a visual imagery is powerful because it hits you on a level that, you know, words can't or a film can't like it's, it hits you with, it hits you on um, a spiritual level that, you know, it's funny, I'm trying to find the words and I'm thinking about these youth that I worked with in Halifax, uh, Leave Out Violets. And uh, one of the youth said, you know what, Carrie, I understand why you're an artist, because you're really not good with words. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> so not paint, true. You just paint it. And I was like, yep, that's probably why I'm a visual artist. <laughs> oh, no, actually, actually, I'm feeling the opposite. I'm feeling like you actually speak like you're painting a picture. I, I'm actually really quite enthralled with listening to you. And, and I'm not oh, a great listener. 
<laughs> so that's fantastic. No, you know, I think it's because visual art has a more timeless, like we don't know film, we don't know how, you know, digital is going to change, how we're going to keep that as time changes, right? right? But in yeah. uh, paintings, look how many thousands of years, like that's what's important, right? Right. And I really do believe that, you know, art creates community connection and culture like it creates like you said the the paintings encapsulate a time um a movement uh, a period an experience and then it's forever there you know you can't you can't uh you can't unsee it you can't un understand it you know like it's it's a very 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 cool it's very powerful because it's like smells, right? So for me growing up, I can, I didn't know about the internment, even as a young woman. I mean, I didn't learn about it until I painted a mural here in Vernon and met Andrea. And uh, so it was shocking to me. But when I saw your work, I could feel my grandparents' kitchen and I could feel the little snippets of what they did show from their culture and what they had to hide because they felt shame. You know, and my, oh, yeah, and like, my mom didn't it's amazing. know. amazing. Yeah, really. I showed my mom your work, and I'm hoping to have her here so that cause my mother lives in the Crow's Nest Pass. And she's been telling me stories um, about now remembering things about what happened and why the house was so, you know, my Guido was full of shame. He, he, Everybody thought he lost the farm. He couldn't tell anybody it was taken from him. Right, so my amazing. Oh, it it is because I can remember the the garlic sausage. I remember the rituals. I can remember, like I have my great grandmother that her wedding dress, the fabrics and all of the smells from the house are in your paintings. That might sound crazy, but I can smell your paintings. I love that. You know, and it's and that's what's key. Like, and that's why this podcast is key because I want to find people. So my mom, I'll phone my mom if she's having a kind of a bad day because it's hard. She's eight hours away. She lives alone. Yeah. You know, she's not well, but she will talk about her art because she's an artist and she just created her first piece of glass public art, which is so exciting. Mm. Right. And she can remember uh-huh. and she starts telling me about them being so poor, about killing a moose because they didn't have anything to eat and then being afraid that my grandfather would beat her because they had killed this moose and couldn't get the moose home. Of course, they were 13 years old. <laughs> right oh, but stories wow. of yeah and it's so powerful but yet then they would tell about the pride of the clothing my grandmother would make you know and and it, it's just amazing and i think that's what you've also captured the beauty of the culture that mm, is in mm-hmm. that right yeah i like the uh, old eye series that um you know has them all in their ethnic garb that's so beautiful and rich with color and then the, you know, the old eyes bearing the shame and the lineage of trauma and, and how it's passed down through generation. I have a, I have an interesting story about the Miss Cose painting, you know, the yeah. one with the woman in the boat. Yeah. So I originally, when I, so the way I created that piece was I, you know, I got a picture of the gorge that she rode up. I got a picture from a boat from the 1920s and kind of collaged this seen together and the rose represents the England flower flower and then also it's romantic but the first uh, person that I painted was a baby and I, I kind of got one 
collage from the internet, like kind of just like the angle of the face or whatever. And I so the baby was done. Then I found, then I got some historic photos of Miss Cose. That's her, that's her face in the painting. Yeah. And then as soon as her eyes looked back at me and she was there, I looked at the baby and I went, oh shit, she's not with her real baby. Like oh my God. She can't be encapsulated <laughs> in this painting without her baby. So then I took a white brush and I just whitewashed the whole face in one, in one stroke and said to Andrea, I need more photos of, uh, I think the baby's name is Frank. Yeah. I need more babies of Frank, and so I need to get him in in the painting and found some paintings, and then as soon as he looked back at me and then she was looking back at me, I was like, there you go, you guys are together. <laughs> it's powerful though, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's... And I just remember that feeling of dread. I was like, oh, I can't do this. It's not her baby. And then when they were together, the the, the opposite, the joy and the excitement that I felt that they were going to go down in history together frozen in time <laughs> that's beautiful there's healing i i was mm -hmm. painting a mural in lumbee actually and a woman that i was working with said to me do you know that there's photo readers and i'm like what are you talking about photo readers she says people who can look at photos and tell the stories just through the feelings that they get from this from the images huh so what do you what do you mean by that well she said that the people in the photos that are captured are just captured in time like quantum physics mm -hmm. and so their stories and their words actually speak to you and I was like so then basically all these hundreds of murals I've done of it's you're almost sitting in time travel because here you are in the present you're painting the right. past those people are talking to you you're working with youth from the future so that's really mm -hmm. like the fifth dimension that you're in no space and time that's amazing I love your murals they're so and it's so, it was so, actually, your murals were one of the, the cornerstones of moving to Cherryville and going to Vernon and seeing all the murals. I was like, okay, yes, I can, I can, I can live here. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, you know, yeah. it, it was, it's interesting because all the towns that I've, I was, the first step is you go to a town and they want murals and they'll say, well, that's not really, or they don't want, and I'm going that because I want to write a book and I want a documentary because it's cracking the community because if they don't have art outside of their community there's a and i wouldn't say anything bad about it but it's just a hard community to live in mm -hmm. well, right it's bleak yeah it's it and it's not inclusive mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so and it's breaking through and then it's so interesting like i think about the project in merit i mean who thought i would paint country stars with first nations kids so here's all these mm -hmm. predominantly white country stars painted by this amazing group of indigenous people, kids and elders. We went mm. fishing and yet people see the country music and all I see is the amazing stories and, and how much that became my family. And I got to live this really different cultural life that felt similar probably to like indigenous Ukrainian. We had the same stories. We had different, different, but the same, how to get different food sources, different medicines. It was absolutely incredible. Right. So my body yeah. of work that I want to do in my later years, I'm turning 60 in a month. I'm like, oh, my God. Are like, you? You look great. But it's like, when did that happen? Right. Turning 60. Wow. Yeah. So my body of work, I want to expose that you can use government funds to create art, but you have to have to reach the community with that art. You can't just throw up commercial murals. Mm -hmm. you, mm -hmm. you have to I make. Agree. Yeah. Right. You have to make the art. You got to take those dollars and create 
culture in the middle of it. Let people yeah, share. and I re- I am really glad that they that there is uh, allocated money for art, and I think that I think that uh, it's so 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 great, you know, because yeah, I just think it's wonderful. How long does it take you to um, create a mural or say paint a mural? Because you often have a team of youth, right, with you. Yeah, well, it depends. I always say if I've traveled and it's just me and like an assistant, it takes me 10 days. If I have a crew of young people, it usually takes me four months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And uh, depending, right? I've had some crews of some pretty talented young people and those ones were definitely different. But normally it takes me about 10 days. But then we have, and most of the murals that I did were part of the Wayfinder project where we trained youth, kind of what you're doing. So there was yeah. life skills, employment skills, all that kind of stuff happened. And then the painting happened after six o'clock. Right. 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 It was really much more of an infrastructure educational, which is a really cool thing. And it raised millions of dollars for communities. Um, so I'm passionate about that. But I'm now passionate about the fact that I can go in my studio and have concentrated time to do the art you know, and I loved that all the people that would come to the walls and you have these great conversations, but it was always this. And then those stories, as you could imagine, start living in your head. So I'd be painting on a wall and some lady would tell me about her story about being from a German concentration camp. And then before I knew it, that person looked like her. Oh, is that amazing? Yeah. So that's why I, I know. And I, I did not know that you were into films and I'm going, Ooh, Carrie, we should get money and we should do a documentary and expose a whole bunch. Right. Awesome. Yeah. I remember falling in love with film in uh, a documentary film class at NASCAD. And it was this documentary about these people that travel like abroad to war torn, torn countries with, you know, police brutality and, corrupt systems and the screen the screen said you can't like it was black and then at the words you can't and then it go to like a police you know hurting somebody and then back to a black screen tell me and then another scene of some awful things and then back to you can't tell me that this didn't happen and it was this moment where when you capture something on film you know and it's there you you can't disregard it you can't you can't pretend it didn't happen it it happened and so I was like what a powerful medium to expose uh the truth and then with that I started working with at-risk youth with legal violence and we did these mini shorts of all of their trauma trying to get it you know kind of to heal them and one of this youth came up to me and he said because then we would have a film festival and so this youth was sitting beside me and he said to me it's so interesting watching me from outside myself because it's no longer inside of me and I can watch it like everybody else in the room and realize this happened to me but it's not doesn't have to define me and it doesn't have to enslave me you know and I don't have to bear the shame and that same with you know it's same with the internment camps is that interesting the concept of shame because people it's a real emotion yet they didn't do it 
they didn't do it. They didn't choose it. Uh, they didn't ask for it. And yet it happened to them. And then they have to process those emotions of shame. And so I hope that as we tell the story more about internment and more about, you know, healing through art, that humans can realize that, you know, this happened to me. And, you know, there's a quote. And it's funny because there was this mural I was going to do. And it was this quote I was going to finish it off with that said, life doesn't define you by what happens to you life or you're defined by how you choose to deal with what happens to you and I love that because that's such a message I want to share with everybody is that shit's going to happen and and people are going to do bad things but how we deal with it and how we process it and move on from it or talk about it or heal through it is is what defines us you know not the stuff that happens to us I just think that's so beautiful. I love that. And I'm I'm in awe of that because I'm standing, I always say I stand, I get very emotional about this, on the backs of giants in my family. My grandmother, who was from Scotland, was one of the first um, suffragettes that fought, protested against the environment in our coal mining town in, uh, in BC. And when I found that out, again, not that long ago, my Baba, who would make coats for my mom out of anything or suits out of, like, mm. and... All of the people I come from had terrible things happen to them, yet the strength and they raised community. And I mean, it was like small towns. And I can remember having like 400 women at my shower and, and the, these women that surrounded me that I probably when I was younger didn't really respect as much as I should. But I see that yeah. now as a grandmother, my daughter, she's had some um, health issues with herself and her kids. And I just see the same resilience. And then I see this, I have a granddaughter, I have grandsons and they're amazing too, but I have this granddaughter, I see the same strength that comes through these generations. Mm. And I'm just like, it's in you. There's this spine in you. And it's, that's kind of, you know, and I, it's like this warrior. And I think that we're all indigenous to this planet. And when we can share our pain stories, can we then say, we've all been, we've all been hurt. We're humans and it's in the nature, unfortunately, but indigenous blue to this planet is that we can move to a better place and a better enlightenment mm -hmm. if we tell our connected stories and move forward with that strength. You mm -hmm. know? I agree. Yeah. So that's, and I, yeah. Go ahead, Carrie. And I do, um, I do love that. And I, you know, I, I love even in on a small scale with, you know, say one of my friends, you know, I'll say I haven't heard from her for like a week and I think that's strange. And then I finally find out that this happened and this. And I was like, you know, you, you could have called her. Why didn't you call? And they're like, oh, I just, I, I felt shame or embarrassed mm -hmm. or something. And then they go to share it. And I'm like, oh, that happened to me two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're like right? we're, all, we're all in this together. And then they're like, oh, Right. I'm not alone ever. Like no one's ever alone with their sadness, their depression, their divorce, their moving, their job. Like we all share some fundamental struggle. That's why we're here on planet Earth is to, you know, experience it and grow from it. But it's amazing. As soon as people start to talk, it's like this aha moment of, oh, I'm not alone in it. You know, you, you never really are. 
and and it's just beautiful and you know and maybe like there's there's been times where you know I've talked to somebody and I I haven't experienced what they're experiencing and I said yeah I I personally can't relate but I know there's millions of people out there that that can exactly identify with what you're going through and I just I encourage everybody to just talk 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 find find the the neutral ground and and just realize that you're not alone because it's just so beautiful it's funny that's what happened with COVID and I know COVID has been pretty devastating to many I see this little bit of hope through it all because I think people got to understand what the word internment could mean. And I, I thought it was mm-hmm. so interesting. My mother-in-law and my mother were interned again. My poor mother, who was family comes from internment, was locked in her little trailer for almost a year. And because she right. can't have the shot because she has major heart problems and just, and I was like, but all of a sudden digitally that my mom's podcasting. And then we have this art group, this sunflower art group where we just get seniors all together, and that's why we're doing this mural downtown, which you are more than welcome to come and join because we're going to completely cover this giant building with sunflowers. Was that? Oh, that's, and you're going to complete it. When are you? When's your completion timeline with that? Um, well, we want to do it by June next year. So we we want it to kind of be a revolving that we add this wall and we keep going. We actually we're painting on giant satellites too as part of it because the satellites make sounds. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So, but my mom would come on these podcasts and talk with people she had never met and she was gaining digital skills. And it was absolutely like watching a symphony because they were, all these different people were talking and they were talking about cooking and talking about creating and making this. And it's like, well, I'll mail you this. And I was like, that's what we're missing. And for me, scaffolding was that. Like we'd be downtown somewhere in any, I don't know, New York, Ireland, wherever I was, everybody would come to the scaffolding. And everybody was equal. Didn't matter. Government, everybody was equal. Yeah, that's interesting, hey? Well, and I think that for me, because I don't want to be, I don't want to paint. I love painting murals, but I'm pretty well, I want to do one big more one. And I want to concentrate on my own stuff. But the podcast feels the same way. Like right now, I feel like I could say, oh, if this person was in and talk about art and it grows right into this, well, exciting thing, the power of it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um interesting. I, I always tell my kids and whoever knows me that my favorite art form is humans. <laughs> they're just so like unique and one of a kind and and complex and layered and you know, and you know, for people that don't really get it, I'm like, okay, well picture picture you're in paradise, you know, you're in your most pristine location let's say it's on a beach with like all this fresh fruit and anything you can imagine and unlimited and the weather's perfect but you don't have another person to enjoy it with you know you get pretty tired of that you know in a week or two yeah (laughs) but you know you can be in the most desolate place with your favorite human and (laughs) life's great (laughs) it's it's so true right it's like this almost like this I I know it's like that first perfect blanket and that sip of coffee and it's that person and you just go I'm home Mm, I love that right I I love that I have favorite visitors too in my travels I've had people come up to me and say do you know I just hit my husband over the head and took his wallet and I'm like looking from the scaffolding going why are you telling me that or hi (laughs) how, how are you oh I'm good my name's Frank 
what are you, oh, what are you doing? Oh, I just got out of prison for killing somebody. Oh, he goes, would you like a coffee? But exactly the same thing. It became a study of humanity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even um, creating this art exhibit and I was looking for, uh, I was looking for a, you know, a hundred year old siren with a red light beacon, which was quite the unique specific hunt. So I just called the, the Winnipeg police department, like not the 911 line, but the other <laughs> regular line that everybody gets. Yeah. I was like, hi, this might be a weird question, but, and he answered the phone kind of, hello, Winnipeg police department. <laughs> and then I, I was like, um, I hope I, this is kind of, okay, well, I'm an artist and I'm having this exhibit and I'm wondering if you may know, um, where I could find a siren in a, or a red light that makes a noise for a siren, like world war one. And then his, his demeanor changed right away. He's like, oh, well, you could call Tommy from the Winnipeg Police Department. I'm going to give you two numbers. And he, <laughs> his like, demeanor completely changed. And then I said, I'm so glad I called you. And then he says, yeah, I've been on the job for 30 years. And then I said, well, then you, uh, I said, well, then it's good to know I can call somebody who knows everything. And he goes, oh, I don't know everything. And I said, oh, I'm sure you do. And he says, well, my wife says I don't. So... <laughs> And I said, well, then your wife would know. So maybe you don't. I love that. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then it was this interesting treasure map, which you probably find on your travels too. It's oh, like this man, yeah. treasure map of, of one person to the next. And then, and then it just so happened that this man named Dirk called the Winnipeg police museum two weeks ago before my, two weeks before my exhibit saying, I have this air raid siren from world war one. And I would like to donate it to the museum or have it available. And so it was just the stars aligned. And I just, and I think that's, you know, the stars align more than we give it credit. There's this interconnected web that I tell my fiance about all the time, which he just laughed. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the other room and just laughed. But it's true. You know, we're, there's this, there's this web that connects everything each person to their you know their most aligned self and when you're on the web things start things connect more frequently the people connect more frequently and it's just so fun and then when you find yourself kind of not on the web and you're kind of which we all experience sometimes that kind of a drift place where we don't really know what the next move is and it's kind of disorientating but you know there's there's so much power in trusting in a higher higher something and a higher everything <laughs> you know what i mean i do i just wrote a poem called faith in sunflowers and it was about that because my mom had called me and my mom you know she, i don't know she worries about passing and i'm like mom you're still here you're good but she had woken up and had all these feelings and she was like, people need more faith. She says, we just have, mm. have to have faith in what we do and in our calling. And so I, yeah, it was all we really need is faith, sunflowers and honeybees, right? Uh, but they have a pattern. It's true. It's true. Honeybees have a pattern. And I, I hear you really loudly because I have, I have gotten off my path. Like if I'm, if I got a paintbrush in my hand and I'm, talking to people like I am right now to you mm -hmm. I see things growing and it's so but when I get into this other side of trying to prove the value of the arts in I guess mm. uh, uh, I would not say governmental but kind of governmental way to push to try to help more I see 
the energy changes and actually the morphing of it is quite uncomfortable. It's, it's, you could really tell when your network strings are getting pulled too tight. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And you know, it's funny because, uh, I listened to this, 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 uh, talk person and, um, they describe it that, that feeling good in an alignment, like you said, and then feeling like the not good is as simple as remember that game when you were kids and it's the hot cold like yeah, yeah, yeah. You play that hot cold game it's yeah. like hot, warmer and warmer it's like yeah colder colder you're yeah. like oh don't go there yeah. and they chalk it down to as simple as that when you're feeling good and you're feeling passionate and inspired it's your higher self going yes warmer warmer keep going and when you start to do things that make you feel cold and off it's your higher self being like don't need to do that don't need to go there you know pull back it's just it's interesting and that's why the emotions emotions are so so important and that's something i want to talk with you too is that well we don't get taught that in school or very much anywhere that our emotions are 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 our guidance and yet we we numb them or we say they're wrong or we we don't like you know and it just I even I even find that I do that with my teenage daughter she's 14 and you know in actually speaking I realize that I should probably honor her emotions more (laughs) but sometimes it's hard oh man I say with my grandchildren my grandsons because one is really emotional and I I keep trying to check myself I'll say oh stop crying. And then I'm like, no, no, don't tell him not to stop crying. You know, I know it's mm-hmm. been the sixth time and it was only because I moved to chocolate bar, but that is his <laughs> language, right? And his language is mm-hmm. that he, he's honoring that, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, yeah, mm-hmm. it's definitely challenging. And it's the emotions of painting that mm-hmm. we, and then that's the other whole part of it with, you know, being an aging artist, you have friends that definitely have health issues and things like that. And you go to go to painting, how the healing and the emotional of the healing from, like I have a friend who's just had some severe heart issues and it's really hard for him because for him to paint is emotional and he feels pain, which causes pain to his heart. But if he doesn't paint, mm. it causes him emotional pain. Mm. Right. And that's, if anything shows the power and my dad taught me, he says to me, because I, I probably could have been classed as an at-risk youth, you know, had, had my babies early, wasn't married, you know, small town coal mining girl, you know, got to prove her way. But my dad would say to me, keep your hands busy, create something, blue eyes, and your soul will be calm and you will be okay. Mm, whenever, I like that. Yeah, whenever I stop using my hands, my head gets a little wandery. Yes. Yeah, I feel that way with... Um... Because I definitely, definitely love the art aspect of using my hands and creating. But I also, funny enough, I also found that when I'm creating alone, like I don't know that I could be, well, not yet anyways, an artist that has a studio, goes to the studio, creates art, and then, you know, sells it online and just repeat like I really need the community engagement and the community connection and the project and the network and the message and the, you know, the, yeah. the beginning, middle end of something, you yeah. know what I mean? I do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's cool. That That's a, a neat thing to realize about myself because 
you know, as an artist, I think many people would aspire to be, you know, so successful that they whip something off and sell it and whip something off and sell it. But I would find it so lonely. Like I would just find it so isolating to not be working with somebody on something. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's hard for me. So this is a huge challenge for myself because I want to do a bit of a memoir. So that's kind of, I got to on that. And then I want to do my own series that has my own roots, but in the middle, I have to keep going. I have to have the podcast, the sunflower project, because Mm -hmm. you can't, uh, I shouldn't say you can't, I can't grow in my own work without that, especially young people. Like I think young people and children are put on this earth to teach us. And I think we have it so backwards that we think we can teach them. I'm sure you experience that when you're with them, Mm -hmm. you learn new brushstrokes and stories and they give you this, this world and I think mm-hmm. I would the same way. Yeah, I need mm-hmm. I need mm-hmm. that. I, 100%. That's what I'm hoping this podcast will do is that we see this art wayfinding network where people come together that are art teachers, art educators like you and I are to come mm-hmm. together and keep those exchanges up because then there's this other layer you can add to it, right? I, I see mm-hmm. doing collaborations where one part of the image gets painted and then you send it to a fabric artist who adds some stitches and then you send it to somebody else. And then when the piece comes back, it's all been touched by all these hands, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of how I envision this, uh, mural being created, uh, this, this month of November with Vincent Massey is that we're going to have six panels, four by eight. And like, I don't want to, you know, have one panel for this class and one panel for this class and have, cause then it would be like this, disjointed unison so i i think i'm gonna do it where they all interchange the panels so that every class and every student touches at least the panel once yeah i love that so it's all kind of blends together i love that Mm -hmm. it removes the ego right removes the ego it removes the ego from the art yeah yeah and it also one of my things i want to really teach is the community community collaboration and I'm also going to encourage them because I think a little competition is not bad and I think honoring the ones that have got a better skill than the others isn't bad either you know and I want to somehow incorporate that as artists when you're presented when you're approached with a project like I was with the pause and plate exhibition they you know I, I pitched my idea and I pitched my design and they had to say yes or no. You know, it's these commissions in life aren't a guaranteed um, success. And so in the classroom, I want to kind of say, you know, if if you want to have a, uh, one of your images forefront and central, you know, what who like convince me and show me that you are capable to do it, you know, and 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 honor that student for putting that extra effort in and that extra time, you know, I think it's great. 100% on our, on the murals, I always say it was self-discovery learning because the wall would speak. And I would say, number one, drugs and alcohol, you come to work, you're not on the wall. Mm-hmm. Number two, you're, you're on the border. We will do the border part and the border is important and it's hard to get it perfect as, as you know, straight lines can be. And yeah. mm-hmm. I said, but if you show me, that you are willing to give of your soul, your time, your hands, and your talent, I will put you on the main image. 
And it was, <laughs> it was brilliant because maybe I'm not Peyton Border. I've got a university degree. I'm going, that's great. But you have an attitude. So you're still on border. <laughs> right. That's, that's great. And that's such a good lesson in life for, for everyone, you know? Oh, for sure. And yeah. you know, there was people and students that who never, they'd say, oh, I, I'll just stay on the border forever. I can't paint, who are now master painters. But they, mm. they didn't recognize it because they weren't brave enough to get off the border either. Right. Yeah, that's another book side of it all. This is fascinating. You and I have a fascinating um, similarity. Parallel. Right? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I love that. So Yeah, and I'm excited to come to Vernon in... So my, so the exhibit's in May yep. at at uh, Gallery Vertigo. So your so that your mural will still be in in the process of being created, right? Yeah. So we're just yeah. So that's pretty exciting. So we're going. So we have the satellite um, show in Vertigo right now that we're building with seniors, and then as we go into spring, we're going to sort of do these piecemeal of the sunflower mural, and then there's the opportunity. So we're fundraising for that. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to put a slot for you in that so wouldn't that be cool to actually have something happening outside while your show's there oh that's awesome that'd be so great right and i'm so excited for the opening the the opening we had on friday was so awesome and you know it's the curator there at the um, museum said that um that oftentimes every show they've had somebody you know would say this could have been better or or you know commenting right and she said this is the first time in all the years she's been there that not one person complained and and everyone was so happy but was also like this was brilliant like the word brilliant and I was like yes I love that word <laughs> and uh it was so great and Ryan my twin brother played the soldier and everybody thought he was a paid actor he did oh, so well man. <laughs> isn't that just the best it yeah carrie the and work those, is brilliant yeah it is brilliant. and then those um passports that i made for the exhibit were real people from the 1900s that was really emotional because i wanted a way to divide the crowd and then so we thought of the mock passports and then i was like well if they're going to be mocked then i might as well use people and if they're going to use people i might as well use the real people so i was able to like find an internment camp list from the archives from uh, through uh, Canadian First World War Internment Recognition Fund. And it was so fascinating because it was their age and their height and some of them had markings. And then, and it was just a lot of them 20-year-olds, some 18-year-olds. It's just so heartbreaking. You know, it was rare to see somebody in their 30s and 40s. Like, it was mostly 20-year-olds. And, and uh, yeah, it was a powerful, powerful creating it powerful watching it happening and i just i love that stuff so much i can't wait to do it again in vernon and keep spreading it i'm really excited too because i want to show you the letter that we had found to find out that my uncle i mean he went missing nobody ever knows what happened to him so my guido went to his grave not knowing where his brother was wow. and i have pictures like my mom has found pictures of my guido when steven supposedly came home or he had escaped or we and we'll never know right and it, they're so profound to have that and my grandmother's wedding skirt it, and just all of those great grandmothers to see that 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 disconnection and how sad it was because their faces there's a picture my guido's got a, a violin because he they're all musicians right 
and the pain mm -hmm. in their faces is just like, yeah, it's so I'm really excited about your show coming because the camps were here because I was painting a mural and found out about my uncle while I was researching a mural and the power that of amazing. that. Yeah. Like it's, and it's like, it spoke from the photos. So, yeah. And I think Vernon was one of the first family camps where yeah. they have allowed women and children. Yeah, it was. And it's the profound side of that is, um, is because of in the museum work that I've done, I've had people come up to me and say, you know, it was terrible, but it wasn't like we starved them. We threw bread over the fence. And I'm like, that's your part of that. But they have shame now, you know, and they right. the shame in the being on the other side. You know, it, it's the story is so complex and you're doing such an incredible job of telling that story. And I want my mom to see it. And it's I'd like to film my mom because that's going to take her to a place to see the work when she sees your work. Mm, well, we'll have to make sure to. um uh, give you some invites for the actual opening itself. Make make sure that you're there for that. Oh, we'll be the, there. Um, we'll be there. Yeah, yeah Vertigo is pretty excited, and Vernon will be very, very blessed to have this work here. Mm, I'm excited to bring it there. I'm excited for it to start to uh, do what it's meant to do. It was very, very, very. Um, you know, as the the exhibit was being created, I felt you know this door opening with this message being shared and it felt you know the feeling of the door opening yeah and then COVID hit and it was like the door slammed in my face and I was like no and I just like well like what are the chances like it's set to travel like now and then it just two shows got canceled it was in storage and so it's been a long time in in the coming and so it's so great to, to feel that door opening again and it's starting to do what it's supposed to do. It's so exciting. It I is love it. so exciting. So thank you for spending time with me today. And I will tell yes. the listeners all about where and how they can see your amazing work. And, but it really is the soul of every artist and your soul is just been brilliant. <laughs> Carrie, thank you for spending time. <laughs> Thanks Michelle so much for having me. Okay. Take care. Okay. The water flows through indigenous blue. The tides rise and fall, connecting us all. Water is life, hear our call. The water flows through indigenous blue.